Our scripture lesson this morning is Psalm 71, verses 1 through 6. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, for the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust. O Lord, from my youth, upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Amen. Rob is uh, speaking this weekend at our youth retreat, uh, winter retreats over at uh, Camp Cedar Cliff at the Cove. So uh, I, I say this as a way of just let you know, but also keep our youth in, our, in your prayers. There's about 150 kids. Uh, there's 20-ish from our youth group and uh, some from First Waynesville and um, several other United Methodist churches. So just, just keep those kids in your prayers. It's a big weekend, a lot going on. Um, yeah, let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your scripture that pushes us and makes us think and calls us to listen. I pray, oh God, that we would hear your word for us this day. I pray that you would speak through me and if necessary in spite. Speak, oh God, that we would hear your word for us this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In her book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamont uh, says this. She said, it's funny. I always imagined as a kid that when I was uh, going to become an adult, I would have some kind of inner toolbox to pull from in life. And this inner toolbox would be full of shiny tools and there would be the saw of discernment, the hammer of wisdom, my favorite, the sandpaper of patience. Just let that sink in just for a second. If you've ever had kids, the sandpaper of patience. And they were shiny. Lamont continues and says, but when I grew up, I found that life handed, hands you these rusty, bent, old tools. Friendship and prayer and conscience and honesty. And life says to you, do the best you can with what you have. And she ends. And she says, and mostly, against all odds, these tools do just fine. When I read that and thinking about the psalm for this week, I couldn't help but think of all the psalms and how we have this book in the Bible. And, and the psalms, uh, I think, to a certain extent, are part of our toolbox. Um, they're songs and prayers that have been around for, for millennia, for, for a long time. And they may seem or feel sometimes a little bent up or 
uh, a little rusty. What, what do these words mean? But every time I read the Psalms, I'm reminded that they are so important, so important for this process and this journey that we're on in life. I just keep coming back. And, and one of the reasons that I come back to them is because of how important they've been in our history. Sometimes they feel like these bent, rusty tools, but man, are they important. I've said this before, but the, one of the most beautiful things about Psalms to me is that the way they would have been learned uh, by our Jewish brethren is they would have been learned by the first line. In, in particular, this Psalm 71, in you, O Lord, I take refuge. And it would be very unlikely that the Psalm would have been read or recited all by yourself. It would have been done at the very least in your family and maybe with multiple families. And you would have heard this first line, in, Lord, in you, O Lord, I take refuge. And everybody would have chimed in. And there have been words that you would have forgotten, but somebody else remembered them. There have been words that you knew really well and you helped somebody else along. The interesting thing about this particular psalm is the rhythmic nature of this psalm. It has an A-B pattern that it goes back and forth throughout. And we only get the first six verses. There's 24. But if you go through and look, you'll see every four or five verses it switches over. And it goes something like this. In the first four verses, there's a statement of requesting help. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress, O God. Rescue me, O God. God, help me. There's a, there's a statement of help. So you, you have this kind of first movement. That's a statement of, of help. And then there's this second movement, which is a statement of trust. You are my hope. You are my trust. And you see this throughout the rest of the psalm, that there's this statement of help and a statement of how we trust God. I almost slipped on the water. That was going to be really fun. <laughs> also, I'm thirsty, Patrick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. If you can't have fun with it, what are we doing here anyway, right? And as I got to thinking about this psalm and this pattern, the statement of help and the statement of trust, I got to thinking about how we live our lives and, and the process and the journey that we are on. And, um, you know, I, I don't know about you all, but, but there are seasons in my life where I have cried out to God for help. Sometimes that season is a day or a couple days. Sometimes that season is a, is a season, maybe years. And there are times where I've been able to say, oh God, you are that which I trust. There are times when I've been able to say, God, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can go one more day like this. I don't know that I can, that I even understand what your, what your word means. And there's times where I've been like, man, there is nothing more centered in my life than the work of God right now. And what I found when I read the Psalms is that I think that both are faithful. That we have this journey that we go on and sometimes we are in the middle of it and we are right there and it is wonderful and beautiful and joyous and, and seems to just come like the next step. And sometimes it is hard and it hurts and, and we just don't know 
if we're going to make it. Joseph Campbell, um, are y'all familiar with Joseph Campbell? In my few hands, so so a few of you. So if you're not familiar with Joseph Campbell, go Google Joseph Campbell. Campbell writes about what he calls the hero's journey. Whether you're familiar with Joseph Campbell or not, you have read or, or seen movies uh, that have depicted the hero's journey. In the hero's journey, there is a there is a hero. There is someone that is trying to accomplish something. Great examples of this could be uh, Gilgamesh or the Odyssey. Uh, more modern might be the Lord of the Rings, uh, Harry Potter. And you have this hero, and this hero's on a journey. And in this journey, the hero is trying to, uh, to get to, to accomplish it, whether it be put the ring in Mordor or, or, or whatnot. And, and there's the thing that the, that the hero's trying to accomplish, but more often than not, it's actually the journey that's really important. Campbell talks about the, the, the nature of the myth, the nature of the story and the stories that we live. And I think so often we think about where we're headed and what we're trying to accomplish and we have goals and I, and I am a goal-oriented person and I think those are really important. But sometimes I think we miss the journey for the goals. Sometimes I think we miss the journey for the destination. And I think that's one of the things that this psalm reminds us of, is that we, we live in this pattern of God help us. Oh, we trust you. In recent, um, in the last couple of decades, there's, a, there's been this rethinking of what's called the heroine's journey. So you have the hero's journey, of which both men and women can participate for sure. And then there's the heroine's journey. And Maury Murdoch is one of the, the anthropologists and, and psychologists that has written about this. And, and one of the things that I found really interesting about the heroine's journey, uh, although not a woman, so I don't completely understand this, but I live with a woman and we have two daughters, and is the cyclical nature of a woman's life. So the heroine's journey talks about the cyclical nature of our lives and how we uh, participate in these cycles of moving forward. And I find that fascinating when you think about this psalm. I find this fascinating when you think about Mother Teresa and, and her, autobi- her biography that was, that was written after she passed or, or, or released after she passed away and how she talked about There were decades that it was hard for me to feel the presence of God, but there were moments where God was so present to me. I feel like there's this cycle to how we participate. We we say, oh God, we need your help. And at times we respond, oh God, we trust. So with it being... um, MLK weekend, knowing it would be MLK weekend when I would be preaching the sermon and, and then thinking the other, the other thing that stuck out to me, the other theme that stuck out to me was this idea of refuge. Uh, refuge, safety, uh, compassion, a place where we feel like we can sit and be, a place where we feel like we are completely secure. I thought about this a lot because I thought about the ways that, that we participate in creating places of refuge in the world and the ways that we participate in creating places that are not places of refuge, whether by our inaction or by our action. 
I thought about this because I thought of the times when I have had the opportunity to sit in the refuge, in the place of compassion and hope and mercy of God, and then sometimes I refuse that. Sometimes it's hard, hard to accept the refuge that is before us. I also thought about the ways that I participate in creating places of refuge in, in my life or had the opportunity to in my life. You all have heard me talk enough to know that almost everything that I talk about comes back to this idea that we are fundamentally relational creatures created in the image of a fundamentally relational God, that God calls us to relationship. And when I thought about refuge, I began to think about um, justice and injustice, particularly with it being MLK weekend, and, and ways in which there are still injustices in our world that we wish were not there, and ways that we participate in that or don't participate in that. And then I started thinking about the global world that we live in and how we have a global economy now and how what we do in North Carolina affects people across the globe because we're all interconnected. And I got really overwhelmed really fast. It was because I thought, what in the world am I going to do from Asheville, North Carolina? But then I took a step back. And I got to think that each of us have a context. Each of us have a family. Each of us have friends. Some of us have workplaces or places that we participate in hobbies. Each of us has a sphere of influence and a context. And I began to ask myself the question, what are the ways that I help create places of refuge in my context? Knowing that I do that by God working through me. That we create context and places of refuge by the Spirit working in and through us. And I began to wonder, are, are there places of, of injustice, harm, in my context that I could say something about? Work towards a solution that I could work towards creating places of refuge. And then I began to think about one of the first steps in creating any space of refuge. And that's if, if we don't feel refuge in our own spirit with the presence of God. If we don't feel refuge in our own spirits with God's presence in our lives, are there steps that we need to take to find that refuge? Is there hurt that we need to that we need to, to grieve with? Is there a hope that we need to put on paper and think out loud about and share with a friend or a family member and say, this is something I hope so much? Is there, is there an injustice in our workplace, in our community that we see day in and day out and we know that it's not, that it's not right and it grieves us? Is there a step that we need to take? And then that brought me back to the hero's journey. So how many of y'all read Lord of the Rings or seen the movies anyway? Most of you, some of you? If you haven't, oh my gosh, friends. You should probably get up and leave right now. I don't have anything to say that's any better than what Tolkien wrote. I can't remember if it's the Hobbit or book one, but 
uh, Frodo and Bilbo are on their, on their journey and they're, ta- they're leaving the Shire. And so Frodo and Bilbo are hobbits and they have this ring that they're supposed to return to uh, the, the flames of Mordor, this big, and, and it destroys it. And so the world's a better place. And you can imagine these two hobbits and hobbits are small people and they're, they're taking their journey and Frodo's the main character and his kind of sidekick is a guy named Samwise Gamgee's. And it's in the book and the movie, but in the movie that depicts it so well because they're walking and all of a sudden Sam stops. I mean, they're just walking, right? And and he stops in his tracks. And Frodo's like five steps ahead of him and he looks back and he says, Sam, what are you doing? What, What are you doing? And Sam says, if I take one more step, it's the farthest I've ever been from home. If I take one more step, I'll be as far away from home as I've ever been. And part of the hero's journey, part of the hero's process is is recognizing that there is something uncomfortable, there is something that is scary, there is something that we're not sure if we want to do. And we take that one more step. And we take that one more step. I, I don't know what that step is, for your specific context. I mean, I understand in general, we all live in Asheville, that kind of thing. I understand some things that we could talk about. Like tonight, it's going to be really cold. And there may be a code purple tonight. Code purple is when it's less than 32 degrees and and folks that live on the streets need to find a place to sleep. And we know that in Asheville, there are about 100 less beds than people for code purple. So like I do know there are things that we could talk about. But in specific, you know your context. What's the step that, that God's calling you to take? As I was preparing this week, um, I, I don't read this super often, but uh, once or twice a year I read Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from the Birmingham jail. It was penned in 1963. And uh, there's a line in there that's pretty quoted, uh, off-quoted. It's injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If you've seen anything with Martin Luther King Jr.'s picture on it, you've seen that quote. What I'm drawn by is the rest of the paragraph. Hear this. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. As you think of whatever it is in your context, that the step that you need to take, whether for you personally or a space to create refuge, to be a part of this cycle of calling out to God for help and then telling and sharing with God what we're doing to show that we trust. King reminds us that we're not doing it alone. We are interconnected in ways that we don't even realize, in ways that shape us and guide us and give us hope. I'm going to close with two final thoughts. You got two more thoughts and you don't have to listen to me anymore. One's this. I was reading one commentator when it talked about Psalm 71. And, and Psalm 71 is in an interesting spot because it's kind of a shift from David's psalms by, that we think are attributed to David and psalms that are attributed to Solomon. And uh, it's in an interesting spot because 
there are pieces of it that, that talk about those things that would harm us or hurt us, but this particular psalm spreads the gamut of life. It's a seasonal psalm. It's a psalm that, says you, that, that talks about from the, the time you're in your womb to the time you, your life is, is ended. I wonder what it's like or what it would be like for us to think of this tool in our toolbox, Psalm 71, the Psalms in general, as a psalm that shapes our seasons. As a psalm that shapes our seasons, recognizing there are seasons that are full of joy and hope and thankfulness, and there are seasons that are hard. And sometimes they overlap, and sometimes we feel the joy on the one day and injustice on the next. And that in both, God is present. So one of my very most favorite poets uh, is Mary Oliver. Uh, Mary Oliver passed away on Thursday. If you've not read Mary Oliver poems, if you also have not read Tolkien, I know what you're going to do for the rest of the month because that's what you should be doing. Mary Oliver is an incredible poet. Uh, when I've been leading staff meetings for our Missional Wisdom staff this fall, every week we've been reading a different Mary Oliver poem. And one of the first poems we started with in September was one called The Gift. Uh, we started with that in the fall as we hit back to the fall and the, the fall in the thick of our work because it's a poem that reminds us that this life, this journey, this, this journey to a goal, this journey that is a cycle, that is an up and a down and an in-between, it's all a gift. And I'd like to close with that poem. Hear these words by Mary Oliver. Be still, my soul, and steadfast. Earth and heaven both are still watching, though time is draining from the clock, and your walk that was confident and quick has become slow. So be slow if you must. But let the heart still play its true part. Love still as you once loved, deeply and without patience. Let God and the world know you are grateful that the gift has been given. Friends, we have been given this gift of a journey. Let us journey together knowing that God is with us each and every step. Amen.